seriously popular. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In today's episode, are refs falling asleep at the wheel? Can Spurs really win the title? And what has gone on between Chris and Michael Beale? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Chris, Liverpool have released a statement in the wake of the Tottenham VAR shambles. Do we think they need to let this go? I think they do. I was astounded by their uh, by the statement i mean what bottom line is what what do they actually want out of this you know wh- where are they going with this what's what's the end game with this are they going to get the points back no they're not going to get the points back so they want accountability do i mean do they want howard Webb sacked? i mean where 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 is this going to lead so liverpool are, are upset as we know about the events of saturday evening in north london at tottenham they lost they lost 2-1. They had two men sent off. They also had what turned out to be a very, very good Luis Diaz goal ruled out incorrectly um, for offside. A monumental VAR mistake, possibly the biggest uh, VAR mistake that we have seen in the few years that we've been um, enduring this clearly dysfunctional system. Liverpool have called for a review. They want what they call full transparency. They talk about a need for escalation and resolution. I don't really know what that means. That mm. sounds like kind of legalese. They're angry. Or bottom line, they're angry. And they're they're angry and justifiably. So I actually thought Jurgen Klopp um spoke very well after the game. It was it was an error, right? It was one of the worst errors, if not the worst error since we've had far. But that's what it was, human error. And these things, I think Ange Postacoglu say, said, these things are always going to happen when there's that human involvement. I think we should understand that something like this shouldn't happen. This uh, miscommunication, level of misunderstanding by the VAR officials who we now know thought, somehow thought, that the, that the goal had been given on the field and therefore their message was stay with your decision when in fact as we all know and anyone who had any eyes was watching the television or even ears listening on the radio knew that the goal had not been given so it is it is a an error of huge magnitude but what what do you think Liverpool want what does Liverpool think is now going to happen do you think Liverpool should just let it go well I think they should let it go, as I say, unless they want. The, they're not going to get the game replayed, are they? They're not. They're, you know, they're not going to get points back because of it. It's. 
I mean, I, why I, should I, they I just accept it? Why should they let it go? Um, because there are decisions made, uh, or, or you know, with VAR, there's been. I mean, Brighton last season. Look at them; they were wronged on numerous occasions. I, I don't think I saw any state. I may be wrong, but I don't think Brighton Football Club had any statements, wrote any statements out, uh, and and I just, I just, I just don't know where they're going with this. I, do, I, do do they want heads on a? On a platter for this, I don't. Heads I don't know spike. when does it end. Heads on a spike. Yeah. I think that's the phrase you're looking for. I do. I look. I have. I have sympathy with them simply because it. It was such a, a ridiculous mistake. However, I do agree with you. If we have, if we had a review and 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 went looking for full transparency, transparency as they describe it. I think what they want is the audio to be released. I, I presume, I don't know that, but it sounds like they want all what, the details. What's that going it, to achieve it, though? It sounds like they want all the details out in the open. And although I understand the sentiment, I don't see how that practically works because that would set a precedent. Every other club would want to do it every time they felt wronged and the season would descend into um, uh, chaos. Everything would end up get, everything would be bound up in lawyers and red tape. And I don't think really for football's sake, we want to go there. Mistakes do happen. I think we just need to make sure that mistakes like this don't happen again. And we are going to come into that in a little bit. But one thing I do want to raise with you, and I do want to raise with um, our guest, Mark Clattenberg, in a second, is the fact that Michael Oliver, Dan Cook, Darren England, three of the officials involved, um, Cook and England with the VAR officials, were in the United Arab Emirates on Thursday night doing a game there in Sharjah and then fully sanctioned by PGMOL. That's allowed. They're perfectly okay to do that. They get paid extra to do that. They do that game Thursday night. They then fly home Friday from a different time zone and then oversee the biggest game of the weekend on the Saturday. I think that's wrong. How can you link that to that... uh to that decision being made, I don't, I don't understand where you're going with this. You can't, you can't actually judge. You, you how, how can you have a judgment on that? How can you say right. that that is the reason? I can't. But well, you I, can't. I can't. But so why can, are you? But then? what I can say is this: I have travelled. I've worked in uh, Dubai. I've worked in Abu Dhabi. Um, I've worked in Qatar. I have flown home from those places. These are athletes, and they are. Respect. They are athletes. They probably flew business class. To be fair, they probably got a bed. There you go. But I know that when you come back from those places, even though you are used to it, my sister lives in Australia, I did that trip a lot, you don't get used to those trips. See why, I can when, see why she lives in Australia. When you get, why she lives, that's why, probably. When you get home, you feel uh, a bit fuzzy around the edges, it takes you a couple of days. Yeah, but you don't know, you're talking about your personal experience. Right. You, 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 can't, you, know, you can't answer for, uh, for Michael Oliver there okay, in England. let's put it this way. I think it's a risk that... Premier League referees don't need to take to take. We've got the biggest game of the weekend on a Saturday. Why go there on a Thursday night? Even if there's only a five percent chance of it affecting your decision making, don't go there. Don't do it. Concentrate on your day job. Concentrate on your day job. Now, Mark Clattenberg, as we know, was 13 years a Premier League referee. Refereed a Champions League final. Refereed a Euros final in 2016. Um, has worked in the UAE in, in Saudi Arabia. And Mark joins us now. I want to ask you first of all, Mark, about the fact that particularly the VAR officials, Dan Cook, Darren England, were in the UAE on Thursday night. Is that okay? 
<laughs> it's not ideal. I can hear what you've just said, the arguments about the travel, the time zones. This has been going on for many, many years. There's other countries who use match officials to support their countries because there's always issues um, with, for example, countries like UAE, Saudi Arabia. They don't trust their local referees in their big matches. So they need the support. Uh, they need the support of European and you know international referees to, to give matches. And you know it never used to happen under Mike Riley. Mike Riley wouldn't allow... Uh, referees because for example when I was in Saudi Arabia I wanted referees to come to Saudi Arabia and English referees weren't allowed because they just needed to concentrate on the on the Premier League but now Howard Webbs came in and he's allowed to sanction these trips ideally a Thursday night isn't perfect but what we have to remember Darren England didn't officiate the match so from a physical point of view Darren England hasn't been affected because he was the VAR in this match which doesn't have any physical exercise it's the travel if we're looking at travel in the time zones he would have traveled back on a friday so therefore friday afternoon he would arrive back at heathrow we all know where stockley park is quite close to heathrow airport so he would have been put in a hotel friday afternoon and therefore there was you know ample time to prepare for the match ahead and we're only using this as an excuse now because there's been a big mistake yeah this hasn't happened just once Howard Webb sanctioned trips for Michael Oliver, the referee in Saudi Arabia. We had, I think, Craig Pawson refereeing a match in Greece. And therefore, it's been happening on a regular basis. But we're only highlighting it now because of this big mistake. But does it affect? Yes, it happened to me when I was a referee. And I travelled back on a Friday and I had to drive back down to Crystal Palace to drive another five hours. That there was huge exhaustion. You're putting something out there which is unanswerable. I think we need to look at things. I think this is, I mean, without being facetious about it, this mistake does feel like a mistake that's been made by a couple of blokes who were half asleep. Yeah, but you can't, but you, you can't judge that. He could have had 16 hours sleep every night for a week and, still, can, and still made that mistake. You, you can't judge I that. I can put it out there as a possibility, and that's what I'm doing. And Mark started there's his no, answer. There's no Mark, evidence. There's no the guy, evidence. Mark, who's the guy who has the experience and knows what it takes out of you to be a referee, started his answer by saying, it's not ideal. And, and then he finished his answer. He finished his answer, putting you back in your box. Mark, how will, the, how, will these, how will these officials feel? I mean, all officials make errors during their career, just like we all make errors all the time. How will these officials be feeling today? Yeah, like you say, we're all making it a human error and it's an awful one. I think, you know, the scrutiny that Darren England will be on, he knows that he's been taken off a match um, and, you know, the same weekend because he was due to two, two matches. You know, it's not ideal getting taken off matches. And I feel, you know, it'll be an awful drive home from, from Stockley Park back up to Yorkshire. And it's just things that will be going on in his head. He'll be thinking, that, why did I do it? Why did I uh, make such a mistake? It'll be playing around in his head. The scrutiny that he's going to be under, he's a, quite a young referee, compared, you know, from experience in the Premier League, he's going to need all his colleagues around him to support because, you know, it's a, it's a genuine mistake, even though we don't accept it. And we've, there's many, many things that have happened during this incident that could have been avoided. And we can go through them in a bit. But it's just an awful, awful feeling. And, you know, it's a one that he's going to have to live with for the rest of his football career. Because when we make such big decisions, 
Like, for example, my first big mistake in the Premier League was not awarding Paolo Mendes the goal at Old Trafford, even though the assistant referee couldn't see it. I'm always remembered for that. So, Darren England, unfortunately, is always going to be remembered for this. Well, I'll say one thing to you. I, I was at that game and I couldn't have told you that you were the referee that night. So maybe you haven't always been remembered that because I've already <laughs> f- for- forgotten. Um, now, standing officials down after games, we know why, uh, well, after mistakes, we know why uh, the PGML do it. Does that help or is it not a matter of fall off your bike, get back on your bike as quickly as possible? What what What's to be gained from hanging around at home for a fortnight? Well, first of all, I don't think it's ideal that the match officials get two matches in a weekend. I don't think that works because if they make a mistake in the first match, mm. it then puts an awful position for the second match. And that could be easily avoided, but I understand why, because they're just lacking in a number of match officials. When, For example, when we were in the Premier League, when I first started in 2004, there was 24 referees. There's not enough match officials now to cover VAR and referees, the quality of. So therefore, they're having to double up and that's not ideal, especially when you make such a mistake in the first game. Is it not better though, Mark, just uh, sorry for butting in, you make a mistake getting back on the bike or so, you know. Yeah, but it's when, yeah, but what happened, Chris, is if you, I understand that and there should be a period of time for reflection because I'm not sure if Darren England, like you said, jumped back on the bike and he was given a game, say, Monday night after this on a Saturday, and he makes another mistake or a perceived mistake, the pressure would be immense. I think what we need to do is have a reflection of time. I think Darren England needs to take maybe a week out just to reflect the need to examine what they could do better. I think the PGM World should bring all the match officials together to do that every two weeks to discuss this, how they can make reduce the mistakes. The thing that surprises me about that, Mark, is that essentially your suggestion that we don't have enough match officials to go round, which which in the modern age um, seems extraordinary. Chris, I think you wanted to make one point, didn't you, about why the game couldn't have been stopped once Darren England realised the mistake that he'd made. Yeah, so so I mean, you, you'll you'll know the procedure far better than myself and Ian. But what once the error had been made and that misunderstanding had had. Uh, happened and and the free kick was taken to restart play there there must have been uh, a period within the the VAR hub where everybody realised the mistake had been made and surely a call could have been made then to just get to the right decision yeah and we all talk about common sense doing the right thing and we all know and recognise from you know the video we don't even need to hear the audio Darren England realises and Dan Cook and probably the operator of Hawkeye realised the mistake while the ball goes out of play at the next phase. The next phase went out for a throw-in. And at that point, it's when they realised that the game hadn't restarted with actually a kick from the centre mark after a goal had been scored. So they realised some seconds after. The problem we have, Chris, is that if the they happened after one second and they realised and they shouted, it's a goal, it's a goal, it's a goal, one second after the free kick had been taken... The referee, if he'd been clever, could have quickly stopped it, pretend to move the free kick back, and then bought himself some time, and then they could have restarted with a goal. So they could have managed it after maybe one or two seconds. But after five, ten seconds, then the ball goes out for the throw-in. If they restarted play and rechanged the decision and give the goal, 
then what you're doing is it's not an error by the 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 the, the VAR, which is under the laws of the game. A game can't be replayed if a VAR makes a mistake. But if a VAR breaks the protocol, that protocol's within the laws of the game. And therefore, Liverpool wouldn't be just writing this statement last night the way they have. They would have been requesting through the Football Association today that the game could be replayed. So we can use common sense in some parts of refereeing, but if we'd use common sense in this situation, we would have been looking at a game being replayed. And I've never heard a game being replayed in the Premier League would have caused us such a huge problem. But that, that, I've got to say, just on the face of that, that 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 does seem quite extraordinary for such a a small space of time to go by. You know, you, you said what five seconds, whatever it is, and they can't reverse a decision. Uh, and you know, Tottenham would have been angry about it had the decision uh, been reversed. But you know, when Ange Postecoglou and the Tottenham players would have would have seen that decision, um, you know, they would have, I think, accepted it. It seems extraordinary, you know, what you're talking about about replaying a game because of a procedural error. Mistakes do happen. I mean, what what would what what would you have done, Mark, had you been in the VAR hub and and. and after that decision was made and, and how that panned out, what what would you have actually done? I mean, you know, I'll put you on the spot there, but, I, you know. Yeah, I'll... no, no. Yeah, I, I totally, listen, I think there's just a huge, I, you know, we all don't know what's going on. I think Liverpool are requesting the audio. I think what happened in this position is Adrian Holmes, the assistant referee, has allowed the offside, because he believes it's an offside, so he's allowed the player to continue, which... Under the new, or under the VAR instructions, the assistant has to allow the outcome to happen, which the outcome was a goal. So once the goal is scored, Adrian Holmes would have clearly said, offside, 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 down the earpiece. So all of the match officials, as well as the VAR and the AVR, would have heard Adrian Holmes shout offside. And at that point, I think all referees that I've known, including myself, would have put the arm up for offside, blew the whistle, put his arm up for offside, and communicated to all the players offside, offside, offside. If if the audio, if the conversation between the officials and the VAR officials could be heard on television and in the stadium, would that help? It's a step forward. You know, I think one hundred percent this will happen in the future. I think it's the way forward. I think this is why everybody's trying to get towards some, you know, clear lines of communication. Because when it first started, I remember listening to some audios and it was, you know, Referees were speaking um, too long. VRs were speaking too long. I think now that they're very professional, the way they speak, and I think it'll get forward where the communications will be transparent and it'll be available to all the broadcasters. It'll be available to fans in the stadium. And I think it's the way forward. And that's when the whole clear line of communication and how they do it, a bit like cricket, how you know they clearly say that the ball, the, the, the foot was behind the line, then they check you know, the, 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 has the bat hit the ball. All of this, there's a procedure. And I think we need to learn from this about procedures to make sure that we don't end up with a, with a wrong decision. I suspect that relations and trust between managers, players and match officials is pretty much at an all-time low now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. There's a half hour. I think Howard Webb's tried something different. I think... You know, Mike Riley, when, when he was the Pigeon World manager, he was, you know, he kept everything in house. We there was no transparency. I think what Howard Webb's done, and I, you know, it's a positive step. People say 
negatives and positives, but he's tried to be as open as possible. Has it helped him? Probably not, because every time there's a mistake now, every club wants a, wants a statement to apologise, and there seems to be too many apologies. I think what what's happened at the moment is players and coaches have lost trust and confidence in VAR. It's too random. There's too many. One week it's given as a penalty, the next week it's not. And what we need to try and do is they need to go back to some basics and go back what referees, what they learn as referees, the basic skill of making a decision. Yes, it's a penalty. Let's move on. And the VR has to get to that point where, and I think what the confusion is, Howard, Howard's come in and he wants a high, a high bar of intervention and therefore the match officials are confused. What's a high bar of intervention? Do we interfere or not? I think the fact that you accept that, that, that there is a lack of trust is really, really worrying. Um, Alistair, the Liverpool goalkeeper, has said in um, in the media this morning that he feel, he says that players feel like prisoners by the system. They can't do anything about it. They can't complain about it. Well, they can complain about it, but they can't uh, have a, find a way to get anything done to change it. I think that's a, a real worry. If you can answer this very shortly, yes or no, do you think it would help to have ex-players in the VAR room or even officiating on the field of play? I do believe that ex-players should be in the VAR. I think this will help. I think there can be the AVAR or a second AVAR. So what they're doing is we've got three match officials or two match officials and an ex-player inside, inside the booth. And when there's a call, a penalty call, they can have a clear discussion and then they can move forward together. And I think that would help, especially on... Um, recognising fouls, recognising clear red cards. Yes, we all follow some criteria. For example, you know, the challenge at the weekend, Curtis Jones, I think every referee would say red card. Players would say it's harsh. Some players would say it's a clear red card. So what we could do is the referee could put their point across, an expert could put his point across, and then we're going to hopefully come up with some consistency. So I'm all for it, and I hope that in the future that they will trial it to see if it actually reduces mistakes because that's all we want at the end of the day. Mark, we, we all agreed on that. That's what we do want. We want few mistakes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for giving us that, that great insight, mate. And um, we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Quickly, before I move out of this, Chris, I thought that was a really interesting way to end it. The fact that um, Mark was talking about back to basics. And, and you know what? I, I never wanted VAR. I, I, I said that on, on kind of radio shows and TV programmes and wrote about it. Never wanted VAR. Mm. Only thing I ever wanted was goal line technology. So I think that's basic. We need to know if the ball's in the goal or out the goal. And if I was thinking last night, if you go back 10 years when we didn't have VAR, what would have happened at Tottenham on Saturday would have been um, Curtis Jones would not have been, would not have been sent off. The, the Diaz goal would have been disallowed and that would have been incorrect. And then... Everybody, the game would have finished, everybody would have gone home, gone to pub, got in the car, they'd have been upset about, about it, Liverpool fans, they'd have moaned about it, they'd have griped about it, and then they'd have got up in the morning and they'd have, they'd have forgotten about it and moved on because we all accepted back in the day... Maybe a couple of days. We all yeah, maybe a couple of days or weeks. We, we, all, we all accepted back in the day that human error was part of football. Yeah. What the mistake people made was thinking that VAR would give us perfection and that is... That's the great lie of VAR, that it would give us perfection. So the only thing that we can do now that we've got a VR, VAR, it's no good people saying scrap it. It's here to stay. It's not, it's not going ha to happen. It's like saying that, you know, there's too much pollution, scrap the motor car. It's not going to happen, right? So now that it's here, 
we have to put offside, in my opinion, into the hands of the technology. Let artificial intelligence deal with it. The semi-automated um, system that, is, that was used at the World Cup was a success. It's used in the Champions League. We don't use it. The Premier League clubs voted against it. As far as I'm concerned, they need to accelerate this process now. Let the technology take care of offside because it's not a subjective issue. It's, it's, it's geometry. Right. It's measurements. It's inches and feet. Let the computers do it. It's fair to say this has been a weekend and a game and an issue that has um, uh, lit a flame under a lot of people's kind of, I don't know, uh, it's got people angry. That's what I'm trying to say. 1,300 comments apparently on Mail Online uh, this morning about this issue. And here's a few comments from my Twitter feed, actually. Paul G just says, dump VAR. I don't care if it's accurate or not. It sucks the joy out of football. Shane on Twitter, why keep something going that's actively making the game worse? Who is gaining? And Bailey on Twitter, get rid of it completely. Expletive, it's killed football. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now let's go back to the football very, very quickly. Um, I don't think we've actually got time to talk about the two Liverpool um, sendings off. All I thought I, they were both correct. All I will say is this. If VAR, if VAR can go and tell the referee that the yellow card for Curtis Jones was, to be, was, was worth looking at and is therefore upgraded to a red, why can VAR not tell the referee that he's booked Diego Jota even though his opponent had actually tripped himself up and Jota hadn't touched him Jota then goes on to get a second yellow are you sure are you sure that he hadn't touched him well the the, the slow-mo showed that there was a what you might call an accidental touch of so the he had, knee he went so down he had touched he him he went down because he tripped himself up so he why did, he did he did they, 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 they looked to me like there was the slightest touch so why? What, what, what was that a yellow card offence I agree with you it wasn't but so, so why so, not so tell the, so the, so all, hang on a minute there's all the criticism um, you know of, of the referee what about what about Jota taking a bit of responsibility Correct. and not being so foolish when he's already on the yellow card and do you know what it's part and parcel of the game players get booked when they don't deserve to get booked but at that moment as soon as he's got the yellow card he should be thinking I need to be careful here Correct. and guess what he wasn't so we'll, you know let's pan the referees all weekend but that wasn't, you know, that that's a player not taking responsibility. And Curtis Jones, 
over the top of the ball, did get it at a tiny bit of the ball. That is a straight red. That's endangering an opponent. I don't I don't see what the argument is. Yeah, and that about. is one of the issues that people, with the, with the Curtis Jones one, that is one of the issues that people need to get their heads around. People, even Gary Neville, who was excellent on this whole subject on Sky on Saturday night, was wrong when he said, um, I've been, I'm an ex-player, I know when there's intent and there was no intent. intent. Intent isn't part of it anymore. It was when he was playing. Intent, rightly or wrongly, is not part of it. If you're not in control, you're, you're yeah. putting yourself at risk. And to be fair, Jones wasn't in control. But the Jota one, that first yellow card was absolutely ridiculous. I don't see why. I do not see why um, uh, VAR don't get involved. Now, can Spurs Because win the, the game would go on for three days. Can Spurs, well, they do anyway. Can Spurs win the league? No. No. Why not? Uh, because it's the first we, negative thing you've ever said about big hands. Because this is a, this is a, a work in progress. I think Postacoglu said at the weekend. You know they haven't they haven't cracked anything yet. I don't see him, you know, getting sucked in and as an expression which I like using, getting the bunting out yet. Big <laughs> hands. Uh, you know they've had they've had a good start to the season and they weren't they weren't great against nine men. And, they were poor uh, against nine men. Well, poor. poor, but really do, you know, poor. do you know what? Liverpool narrowed up, didn't they? Defended the width of the box. And I think Postacoglu said it's not perfect, but where they've come from to where they are now, it's extraordinary, but they're not going to win the Premier in a, League. In a way, it was. I, I like the fact that, that Postacoglu came out afterwards and said we had to cope with a lot of things. I'm quite sure what he meant about that, given that his, he was a manager who had 11 players still on the field. We had to cope with a lot of things. Yeah, he had to cope with playing against eight outfield players. One more thing I want to say about that game. Mo Salah, what a game he had. What a player he had. I used to think Salah was he a lost. bit... I used to think Salah was a bit selfish. Blimey, he wasn't selfish on, on the Saturday. I thought it was absolutely... Liverpool lost the game. I thought it was absolutely uh, magnificent. Now, I do have to say well done to uh, Wolves for beating Manchester City. I do have to say well done to Crystal Palace for uh, winning at Old Trafford. I do have to say well done Luton for winning at Everton. And do I have do I have to do I have to carry on? No, carry on. Do I have to carry on? Yeah, because because this is a shaming based on how easy well predictions are. So last Thursday on our what we call our in betweeners show, um, it's all coming up where we look forward to weekend's action. I made some pretty bold claims about what was going to happen this weekend and um, you can probably be reminded of it right now. I will say that Aston Villa will draw at home with Brighton. Arsenal will win at Bournemouth. Everton will beat Luton at home. Man United will beat Palace at home. Newcastle will beat Burnley. West Ham will beat Sheffield United. City will win at Wolves. And Tottenham and Liverpool will be a draw. That is what I was saying. I don't, I don't bet. I don't bet. If I did, I think, and anyone who does, I think you've got the best chance of calling it this weekend. I didn't get to Sunday and Sunday. I think Nottingham Forest will beat Brentford, who seems to run into a bit of poor form. Do you? That's not an easy Satisfied one to call, with is it? All that? No, I, 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 well, uh, I think where I'm going. But this is the best league in the world, isn't it? The, the the Premier League. It's not. It's not that predictable. Guaranteed that you'll be lucky to get six out of nine. Now, on your um, on your that bit of paper that you've got in front of you there. Um, for those of you who are listening on uh, on uh, a podcast on audio, Chris has a, a sheet of A4 in front of him with them. Um, a few black crosses against uh, a few matches. How many, how many did I? How many did I get? Six. You got, five, you got six? three. Three out of uh, three out of nine. 
Well, just say, just say, okay, just say that I am an idiot. Don't say that. The where, the worst of mit- the worst of mitigating circumstances, <laughs> the worst of mitigating circumstances. Had there not been the two red cards at Tottenham, but, that hundred percent would have been a draw. <laughs> Had there not been a red card at Forest, that also would have been a draw. Well, what, and, what and, play, players get sent and off. And had Aston Villa not scored six <laughs> against Brighton, that would have been a draw as well. Oh so, you know, mm. it's just the way things go in football sometimes. You've had a, just, just accept that you've had an absolute stinker there. See, uh, it's good you're not as good you don't bet. That's the reason that I don't bet. Although I do believe that there's someone in our building who did take that seriously and had a, had a fiver on it. 188 to one he got. Really? Yeah, it would have been a heck of a well, win. Would have yeah. been a heck of a win, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know. It would have been. What we say Are you is, gonna carry on with your predictions or is that um I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna, gonna have a good look at the fixtures and have a think about whether it's worth uh, making it a, a regular part of of this rather odd half hour that we have every uh Monday. Now, I'm gonna quote you back at yourself as we move into our next topic here. You 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 are a bit of a Sunday evening Twitter menace, aren't you? You're one of those people who gets bored on the Sunday, usually when you're on the train on the way down here and kind of puts things on Twitter that you know are going to wind people up. I've noticed it. So last night, there are some managers who are just comedy acts. What's that mm. all about? Who are you talking about? But that's that's a who bit are you of talking a, that, about? that's a bit of a uh, that's a bit of a sort of play on words Who with, were you with talking Michael Beale. Michael Beale. The, the, for, the former Rangers the manager. The former Rangers manager, you say, with, be, a, with be, a slight be, smile on because your face. Because he, he, he dug me out. So he, so he said, go on, carry on. Michael Beale lost his job at Rangers last night, which I thought was interesting given he's he's got three more points than Eric Ten Hag's got at Manchester yeah, United. I don't know if you've noticed, job. but they play in a different league. He's lost his job. So you could argue that was a bit harsh. So he's lost his job. You seem to be, let's say, not overly disappointed about that. So t- tell us a little I, bit about I the background there. No, I couldn't care less. Well, no, that was that was based <clears throat> on that was that was me being a little bit petty <clears throat> because bit. Michael, yeah, a little bit petty. Michael Beale dug me out. Uh, for, he, he said that ex ex players, some ex players, are comedy act. That was aimed at me. Some pundits are comedy acts, and uh, you know, let's let's look at what's happened now. The job was too big for him. Wasn't it your time at Chelsea that he was particularly? Yeah, particularly he, he mean said about? I was Chelsea's worst ever, uh, worst ever player. Because he was a Chelsea fan as a boy. Wasn't he it? was a Chelsea fan as a boy. Um, I think he played for Charlton under fourteens, and he never won anything, and he still hasn't won anything. You don't like him much, do you? No, I don't. I don't really. I think he must. He must have some sort of talent as a coach. I think that this is a life lesson for for Michael Beale. I think he's uh, you know should have learned lessons from across the city. Ange Postacoglu, who he actually called Lucky Ange, um, you know he made that comment about Ange Postacoglu when he was Celtic manager. Essentially, I mean Celtic will feel that they're lucky Celtic that Michael Beale was at Rangers because recently when Michael Beale has managed, they have absolutely wiped the floor with uh, with Rangers and and you know it's about. It's about the big games. I, I do think that <clears throat> it was the it was the end for him on uh, on Saturday when they lost to Aberdeen because I said to you many times uh, when when fans turn and they really turn they turned on him after the uh, after losing to Celtic at Ibrox and 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 this season and I I do agree with you in some respects seven games 
isn't isn't a lot. But there's also a Champions League qualifier in there Correct. where yeah. you know PSV wiped mm. the floor with them. But it's a bit like it was a bit like a London like Cockney car salesman going up there, you know, all the chat promising a Ferrari, and you know, he got a spluttering three wheeler. Uh, in the end, he talked too much. He yeah, coming from us. No, but he. he, he, he <laughs> He did, you know. the the most important the, the most important currency in Glasgow is is winning the, the the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl. Swallowed him up, you know. You know it did. He went in. He was bullish. He tried to appease the Rangers fans, you know, with all the talk of culture. I didn't like the I didn't like the way actually. Um, you know, I know he had the debate about Steven Gerrard, but he seemed to be taking great credit for that, uh, you know, league title success. Mm, so all the, was, all the Rangers fans that have backed him because, because he was Gerrard's assistant. And thought, yeah, but he yeah. thought he was he was a coach. He thought he yeah. was, the, you know, the brains behind the operation and we're getting this Mourinho type figure up there. He sort of got away with things last season uh, because it wasn't his team. His recruitment at this moment in time, and I, I think you need, you know, you need you need longer than seven games to to judge players. In fairness to him, that's where you know they've made an early call. But the fact they've made that call, the Rangers hierarchy tells you that they, you know, don't trust him. Any manager, and I do, I do think this. Any any manager, you think about the way he he left QPR, who goes up to a game when another manager is in a job, as Van Broncos was in a job. I think uh, Rangers played Aberdeen and Beale went up and he knew that Van Broncos was under severe mm. pressure. Anybody who does that, I think, deserves everything they get. You know, he talks about integrity. Although my, all like, managers do that. They, that, that, that come on, that, 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 was, that was awful. That does happen that, a lot. No, that was that was that was awful. He knew what he was doing, so he's you know he's he's got what's coming I to him. I think I think it was David Platt who once told me that he was in the running to get the job at Walsall and went to watch a game. Uh, didn't get the job in the end, or didn't take it. Can't remember. I can't remember. But went to watch a game beforehand, and he stood in the away in the away end wearing a flat cap and a false moustache. Now, I want to ask you one thing very quickly, and I, I'm labouring this, but I'm interested. So when Michael Beale said, said to the Scottish media, there's one pundit around here who's the worst ever player to play for Chelsea. That's why I won't mention his name, because I try to forget him. I think that punctured your rather thick skin a little bit, did it not? Come on, you're, you're better than that. No, I think I know you, but I think from a couple of things that you've said to me, I think that did I just get, think I think you, that got I, you a I little think, bit. I think you, I don't think I, you I like think, that. I think, I think you get what's coming to you. I don't uh, think you like that. Um, I try every week to wind you up, not often with much success. I think that got, un- got I you think, a little bit. I, I think it's one of those things. There's there's respect levels within the game. And if you've, if you've gone and achieved something that's okay Michael Bill I, I respect him as a coach okay and I do because he must have something about him to get to get to have worked his way mm. up into that position for a, for a guy like Steven Gerrard to take him uh, yeah. on board he, he you know he must have something about him but this is a guy with the greatest respect who had no playing background I mean Charlton under 14s Charlton under 12s who who was you know won nothing in his career who's gone into management and look what happened at, at QPR you know the wheels came off at the end at QPR look at the way he actually got the Rangers job in the first place and it's all right shouting your mouth off but do something win something 
And then that's the best time to shout your mouth off. So it, so it, so it, did, so it did get you. No, it's, it's, you. No. It, uh, he, he, it, he got what's coming to him. Job mo- too big for him. Moments of the weekend. Me first or you first? Um, well, I've, I've, I, I've, I've just got one I've, again. I've, I've got, got nine as usual. I've got, I've got one again. Go on. uh, it's Fonz with Big Ange. Oh, Fonz with Big Ange. Absolutely. I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you, have you seen the message? I have, Fonds, yeah. I have seen it. I mean, so what? you've got me on the Hen, what, Henry Winkler. Is that right? Henry, is that his name? Henry Love, is that Winkler, the actor? Yeah. Happy Days. You, I mean, was that no, your era? No, what I know the Fonzies. God's yeah. sake, I know know what Happy Days was. Yes, but the, the name of the actor is Henry Winkler, Henry isn't it? Winkler, so yeah. he's. Actually, I'm actually I'm doing your moment of the weekend for you. You got to explain what it is. Well, uh, say, well Big oh, Ange said he 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 loved Fonz and, yeah. and Happy Days, and then Henry Winkler. Fonz yeah. from Los Angeles sent Big Ange a message, which yeah. is a, it's, a, it's amazing how sort of worldwide Ange's... It is, actually. Ange's and did you notice at the at the stadium, um, we were both watching on the telly, not not together, we don't spend all our time together, um, although it feels like it. Um, the whole stadium on Saturday was was singing the, big, the Robbie Williams Big Ange thing. It's absolutely extraordinary, the cult of Big Ange, and uh, I think mm. we're here for that, aren't we? Now, my moment moments of the weekend... <laughs> Jack Hinshelwood. Mm. I mean, anything to you? Brighton. Three. Eight, is it the third generation? Fourth generation. Fourth generation. So he's 18-year-old Brighton midfielder, I think. The fourth generation footballer from that family to play professionally in England. Great granddad, Wally, great name, played for Chelsea and Fulham in the 50s. Granddad Paul, Palace, Oxford, Millwall. His father, Adam, played for Brighton, now manager at mm. Worthing. Now there's Jack. Brilliant. Absolutely magnificent. Yeah. I mean, a shame that the shame that he's, he, he got done six one. But um, there we go. Um, you, my, went, you went for a draw as well. Now my second one. Now w- you've you've dug me out, right? But we both about my predictions, which is fair. But we both need to hold our hands up here because we spent quite a bit of last Thursday's in between the show talking about Luton and the fact that Rob Edwards addressed ten players <laughs> in losing in the Carabao Cup at Exeter. It's t- waxing on the two of us about how you've got to breed a winning mentality, how, you know, drop, how Everton had gone and won in the League Cup at Villa, that Luton had no chance at Goodison Park. I then wrote a column about it, wrote 900 mm. words about it, and bosh, Luton win the game. And their captain, Tom Lockyer, who we probably, most of us will remember as being the player who suffered a heart event in the playoff uh, final, uh, last season, underwent surgery on the back of that, got a new contract. There he is, Gladys Street end on Saturday. Goal, first goal of the season, victory, big black eye in the process, fair play, Tom Lockyer. That is why, in many ways, we watch football. Don't are you going to apologise then for your column? I'll never apologise for, for an opinion. Chris, absolutely never. But you've got, but but the whole thing is 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 is, 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 is we are here. You know, we're trying to get people to to listen to the pod. We are a go to pod. And when have you got anything right yet? Um, I never apologise for it for for an opinion. I think apologise apologise for your predictions. Apologise to who? Well, apologise to to the chap who put the five quid on. Yeah, Yeah, apologise to him. But but just to just to be that big headed and cocksure about yourself. To, to come out and say it's easy 
predicting things and you're made to look a little fool but if we don't have opinions then what do, then what do we have and you've got sometimes you've got to be brave yeah, you said you said it you said it was easy the, the no, easy. What, I, what i said was that the weekend was going to be boring yeah. and unpredictable i think and predictable, unpredictable i think it's fair to say well that feels like a pretty good place to leave it so we will do thank you very much for watching uh, and listening whether you're Listen to a podcast or watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Please like, please subscribe, please leave comments. They're really valuable to us. Uh, please send some questions. We'll try and get to them. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what Chris is doing wrong, and we'll get to that as well. Um, we do get some quite nice comments. We get some unpleasant ones as well, but we tend to put them to one side. This is nice from Neil on Spotify. He said, been a huge fan of Chris Sutton for years, and this is an excellent podcast full of knowledge and opinion, and just as important, great humour between both. Highly That's recommend two football fans. I'm not sure which episode um, Neil was listening to, but we like him. We like him for that. Um, so let's have a little bit more of that, please. And just remember to go to Mail Online for all your breaking sports news. Uh, download the Mail Plus app and remember to subscribe to that also. Thursday, Chris and I will get together on Zoom like we always do for our It's All Coming Up pod where we'll talk about the weekend's action. I won't be making any predictions, but most importantly of all, please remember to come back here again to watch and listen to the next edition of It's All Kicking Off. I'm in Laidman. The chap sitting to my left wearing his Celtic underpants is Chris Sutton. And this has been, and this has been It's All Kicking Off. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.